What's up, fight fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, June 13th, 2021, and this week's episode, Moreno's Triumph and the Birmingham Beatdown. We'll be talking about everything UFC 263, the amazing triple header, and the highlights from the undercard. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news, talking about Clarissa Shields, PFL, and, you know, MMA debut, and, of course, the new welterweight champion, Yuroslav Omosov in Bellator. And we will cap off the show by talking about this coming Saturday's event, headlined by featherweights Dan Ige and the Korean Zombie. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Are you, uh, are you feeling the heat wave over there? We got one coming tomorrow. I don't yes. know about you guys. <laughs> yes, like you go outside and, you know, it's not just put on a sweater. Now you got to take it off, put on sunscreen, and it's annoying. I hate it. It's... <laughs> but, you know, it's good because then in the evenings, it's just that beautiful, beautiful weather. You can't really beat it. But, yeah, you got to suffer through a very hot afternoon. Indeed, what about you? But... Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's getting, it's gonna be getting pretty hot over here. I get, I said tomorrow, but I think Tuesday for us it hits ninety nine. Oh boy! Um, so yeah, it's get a... those uh, pina coladas ready. Make mine a virgin because you know I gotta take care of the little man. So <laughs> it's, it's a dry heat. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natalie, very um, you know what? Oddly paced, uh, pay per view event. If I may be honest, because I felt like you know. The the gas, we were cooking pretty well, leading up to about 7 p.m., right about the first two fights, you know, of the main card. And then things just kind of slowed down. It was just quite the ride. It was kind of like a roller coaster. We get up to the top of the hill, and we have that great drop. And then, oh boy, it just like, it turned, it stopped. Um, let's talk about the main event. Let's get it started, because I think that's it'll explain itself. Israel Adesanya looking to defend the title against Marvin Vittori. They fought once before, went to a split decision back in 2018. Same arena, same city, the whole nine yards, red corner, blue corner, everything. And really, the story of the fight was the matador and the bull. I was very impressed by just the amount of volume that Adesanya slipped and avoided there were so many times and he said this in some of the interviews i saw just he got comfortable even just letting himself get backed up to the fence and then vittori just never could really connect on him he had a few brief takedowns out of sonya got up but for the most part it was lather rinse repeat he did great work with the leg kicks but ultimately really wasn't able to slow down marvin vittori enough Marvin, to his credit, kept pushing forward, but once again, he just really, I don't know how to say it, except bluntly, he never really could find the mark. And I think the only uh, takeaway, if you could say anything, was that for as much as Adesanya seemed to be ahead of him in leading the dance and connecting, he never really came close to finishing Marvin either. So he essentially had a 25 minutes lather, rinse, repeat, but overall still a dominant performance shutout win for Adesanya. What were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, definitely I felt Marvin Vittori was the bull 
just, you know, physique wise and the way he moves more straightforward. He's still touching Adesanya throughout the fight. And of course the takedowns you mentioned, but Israel Adesanya is just constantly elusive, uh, consistently elusive, you know, not, not, not that he didn't get touched. As I said, uh, the leg kicks though, that was the main takeaway for me, especially that one kick where he, he, uh, he dropped Vittori, um, the fight was fine. It wasn't a, the most thrilling uh, Adesanya fight we've seen. Marvin Vittori, when he fought Kevin Holland, that was kind of a snooze fest for me. And so I was, you know, we talked about he's not going to be the one to get the title shot, but it worked out that he did anyway. Uh, but what kind of got me the most exciting part was the end. After Adesanya was wearing the belt around his waist and they start jibber jabbering to each other, uh, right with, with Joe Rogan in between <laughs> holding the mic ready to do the interview. So that was that was pretty funny because at first I thought they were being friendly and just congratulating, you know, back and forth. Good job. But that the intensity changed and you could tell that maybe it wasn't the friendliest conversation. So uh, I thought it was uh, it was pretty funny when, when Adesanya told Joe Rogan what the conversation was about. Then Marvin Vittori thinks he won. You know, oftentimes when a fighter loses, you still see him kind of raise their hand as the ref is is in between him and his opponent. And you figure that oh, just kind of just do it for morale, just to because you, you fought five rounds or three rounds or whatever it was. But he actually thought he won. That really surprised me. Uh, do you do you see a world where that makes sense, or was it pretty clear to you that Adesanya stole the show? I think it was pretty clear. I think that um, if I were Vittori, and look, uh, there was there was a lot of bragging rights going into this one. There's always, you know, anytime you're getting in a fist fight on national television, international television, um, there's going to be a bit of, you know, your pride and your ego there. I don't care who you are or how detached you are from it. So I could feel that, I think, in Vittori, but at the end of the day, you know when your punches are missing, you're aware that your hands are not, your knuckles are not making contact with his face. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I just was, uh, I think the more telling thing, I think that Joe Rogan brought it up is that Vittori's coach from King's MMA, Rafael Cordero, was telling him, like, Marvin, you're behind. And Marvin kind of just wasn't agreeing with him. Yeah. Um, I will give him credit for as many shots as he took, like I said. I felt like cardio-wise and really toughness, he was still trying to walk him down and do that, which I can't say for the other fighter who took a lot of leg kicks on the main card. There was shenanigans about two fights, you know, a yeah. fight or two before, but I'll get, we'll save that. So I, I give credit for Marvin. I think that at the end of the day, he was outfought by a guy with the skills and style um, that really just didn't suit him. He had solid wrestling, not enough to keep him down. He's a powerful big guy, but he couldn't get his shots on Adesanya to make him, you know, to intimidate him or get his respect. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, his toughness. I think his toughness and cardio. But when those are your two takeaways from a fight that you were just chasing the champion the whole time, I can't say that there's a scenario where those scorecards would have been any different. I but, agree. Um, uh, this sets up, a, and look, solid run to get back to the title. Um, look, he had big fights. They kind of got moved around. He got the win over Jack Hermanson. He was supposed to get Darren Till. It ended up being Kevin Holland. It is what it is. Uh, Five-fight win streak. This isn't a... I know Adesanya made it look easy, 
this is not a pushover opponent that he was in there with. So I think that that should be the main takeaway, although he didn't get Vittori out. He did have a very solid performance against a very difficult guy who it is to have that kind of performance against. Um, which sets it up. I want to set the scene. Play your Game of Thrones theme music, you know, that <laughs> uh, violin or cello that they play, you know, on HBO. Yeah. We have two kings, Natalie. And we have the first king, and this king was always very reserved and you know he was this kind ruler but you know at the end of the day this was his kingdom and this was universally universally acknowledged and then now across the battlefield you have this other king who's taken everything from him and is coming out loud and braggadocious and both of these men have now cut a path back to each other i'm talking about the rematch adesanya versus Whitaker too. Um, I think there's no other fight to make. Rob, you know, took to Twitter, said, we all know I'm next. I'm down. Adesanya said, he's next. I'm down. Uh, we have ourselves a fist fight. I love it. Indeed. There, there's no question, no no wondering, looking at the rankings. Oh, who else could be in, no, in consideration? No, sir. Uh, the champ called him, called out Whitaker. Whitaker uh, accepted the challenge or, or, you know, posed his own challenge on Twitter. Let's just do it. I mean, the, there's a lot of money to be made, right? In Auckland, um, international, as you said, the, this is a big international fight, bigger than than Nigeria, New Zealand versus Italy. You know, you've got, you got Aussie and, and New Zealand and Nigeria. I mean, big stars, big money, big fight. Let's go as soon as they can get it done. I think Israel's probably more likely to be ready sooner. Robert Whitaker, you know, likes to take his time. That makes sense. But what do you think? Three months, four months? Um, I'm feeling a November pay-per-view. Okay. So look, okay. I, I would love for them to bring it down under. I would love for them to sell out one of those stadiums down there. That's what this fight deserves. The main caveat because the way New Zealand is running things, everyone involved just to get in town has to quarantine, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, boy. And I think that that's the thing. Is like you got Dana White in there. Dana White's not about to spend a month stuck in New Zealand. A lot of fighters can't afford to do that. Or, you know, you're, I, I hate to say it, but unless you really have to and can figure it out, fighters are going to much rather prefer, hey, I'm okay at the apex. I can wait for the next card. I think that's going to be the main, you know, mountain to overcome to have it down under, have it in that part of the world. I will say, I mean, you know, California has big hopes for opening up soon. Um, and look, I know everyone, everyone has their own thoughts. I'm just looking at it objectively, whether or not you feel this or not. You know, the fact is, if they're planning to open, that suddenly puts a lot more pieces on the board. You have New York could possibly be opening soon you know and if you have just one event saying yeah we're selling out a staple center a madison square garden uh i believe chicago's american airlines places like that suddenly there's more options and i could see adesanya whitaker being the return return to new york in november they've always tend to make that the new york month um i could see them bringing it to los angeles I think there are a lot of options. Or, you know what? 
tried and true. We have Fight Island is still out there. Florida is still out there. Vegas is still out there. You know they can make it happen for a fight like that. They can really take them anywhere and it'll sell. Yeah, man, I forgot. June 15th here in California is supposed to be Burn Your Mask Day. So um, I'm just kidding. Please, nobody abide me. Um, but that's when our state's supposed to be opening up more or less if you're um, vaccinated. So, yeah, I wasn't thinking about our own our own beautiful states here in the USA. But, yeah, L.A., Stable Center, New York, that's also very juicy. I like it. I bring it up because I do feel like that's the only reason why we're midway through June and they haven't announced where the August pay-per-view is going to be. Remember, very early on, they were like, oh, two months out, Houston, two months out, uh, Arizona. Um, so the fact that uh, they haven't, even though Houston's the target, I do feel like they are waiting to see if there could be a curveball and it's like, hey, you know what? Staples Center is open, California. We could bring the heavyweights there. I think that would sell well with all the TV and media you could cover in LA for Nganu and Lewis, if that's what happens. There's a lot of options there. So it's not just, oh, we're bringing to New Zealand. It, you know, 2019, yes. 2021, eh, you know, got to go from there. But yeah, Robert Whitaker. Uh, all the parties said, you know, I think even Adesanya's coach, we don't expect, unless someone gets hurt, a curveball of a Darren Till or Jared Cannonier, you know, jumping in line, unless it's, like I said, someone gets hurt or sick. So I'm going to cross my fingers because I think that Whitaker Adesanya too is the fight to make right now. And to be honest, it's one of the biggest ones you can make on the calendar, in my opinion. So, you know, across all divisions. So I'm here for it. Okay. Uh, co-main event. Um, I think that, uh, what can you say? The biggest star of the evening, uh, Brandon Moreno throttles Davison Figueredo. He out volumes him with shots. He takes him down. He out grapples him. He gets put in bad positions, reverses them, eats big shots, and then comes out winning all these rounds before he gets that rear naked choke finish. I'm going to just say it. I felt like Brandon Moreno, I, I call it the Cody Garbrandt moment when, you know, you have this guy, you know, maybe a little more unproven. Maybe you just don't think he is up to the level of the champion. And then Cody Garbrandt just comes out and dominates Dominic Cruz. Brandon Moreno, you know, look, he was in there with a guy with one shot stopping power, a solid grappler himself, went five rounds with him. And just absolutely had his way with him. I was very impressed. What about you? Yeah, were you ever uh, more happy to be wrong with your pick? I mean, we both picked Davis and Figueredo round two. And, man. I mean, Anderson Brandon... Silva surprised me one or two times, if I'm being honest. But, yes, I, I will say that. I didn't feel guilty about picking against him. I, I was like, oh, man, that's all good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a beautiful win, a beautiful performance. He was winning all the way through to the moment where he, uh, where he choked out Figueredo. I mean, picture perfect, stunning win, you know, full confession because of the way my life is right now. I found out the result before I saw the fight and it was almost sweeter that way because just to read that he had won just completely blew my mind. I didn't expect it. Not for a second, you know, apologies to Brandon Moreno. I know he's great. Remember him from tough. Remember he, he lost to somebody on tough and then he was so good still that the UFC put him in, um, on their roster while tough was still airing. 
you know, that's how good this guy was. And he's just been chipping, chipping away at that division. The, the emotion from him, pure emotion. Rarely do you see someone win the belt and just be so quiet. And, you know, he was holding back tears, but never screamed until the end. Um, just kind of like, wow, stunned. And uh, a great interview, uh, you know, if you speak Spanish or you, you got a translation, it was a pretty inspiring stuff. So it was just a, a grand victory and shocking. Now, I, I, I'm not caught up on what Figueredo has been saying after the fact, so maybe you can fill me in. But I have some, some sort of sense about weight cut issue and maybe there being some conversation about that. But, but how is he feeling now, Figueredo? You know, he hasn't really said much. He's been rather respectful and all that stuff, which I got to say, I, I really appreciate. I think that it's, um, I think that, look, uh, they did their part to sell this one. I think that people felt a ra rather decent amount of heat behind these two going into yeah. Saturday that, you know, quite bluntly, maybe you didn't really feel from the Coco that uh, got the ball rolling for the five round fights. So uh, I think that he's been, he's taken his L like I think a respectful champion should. Just say, look, it didn't go your way and you're not going to go out there and make excuses and take anything away from him. You showed up, you made the weight, you got in the cage and it what happened, happened. But um, yeah, for Moreno, I think the biggest thing about his story, you know, once upon a time, I think two and two or three and two in the UFC. Two fight losing streak, but he doesn't get cut because he's not performing well. He gets cut because they wanted to get rid of the flyweight division. Right. So they were just kind of slowly phasing these guys out and, you know, getting these contracts off their books. And then, you know, the whole Demetrius Henry and TJ thing and they quote unquote saved the flyweight division. They bring Brandon back. He's had like two draws. You know, I think he had a draw with Askar Askarov. He had the draw with Figueredo. And then, you know, a guy cut from the UFC, just like, hey, thanks for playing. Like we've said, you know, probably one of the worst ways to go. And, you know, last night he goes out there. He beats this guy who a lot of people were very high on. And he just has that kind of performance, just Really, what can you say? Just it's one of those great sports stories. It would make a great thirty for thirty. Um, I, I personally am more fond of like a limited series, you know, uh, docu pick on Netflix. You know, docu series like Selena or something. You know, someone plays Figueroa. Sorry, oh, Figueroa and Moreno. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. yeah, drama. Yeah. Yes, like, like everyone's like, oh, John Jones, best sports movie of all time. No, no I want, like, Michael B. Jordan to play him in, like, a Netflix series. You get what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. I don't want freaking two hours and this is over. I want to tune in every week kind of deal. Um, but in any case, uh, look, uh, a triumph, plain and simple. Um, next, uh, it's really kind of open. I, I personally don't think a Figueredo trilogy is next. I think the nature of this one is pretty cut and dry enough. I think Askar Askarov, they fought to a draw before. I mean, I think it's a good one personally. What about you? Yeah. Um, it, there's not, uh, like, it's not the most exciting as far as options. There's there's great guys, of course, but, like, 
this match with Figueredo, this rematch, this was like, this was the most fire we were getting out of this division for a long time. So, yeah, just the numbers game, Askar Askarov, sounds good to me. Let's just let Brandon Moreno run through the roster. You got to wonder if Joseph Benavidez is, you know, he must have been excited for uh, for, for Figueredo to lose and to be choked out. Um, he, you know, Benavidez didn't tap, Figueredo tapped, so maybe there was some satisfaction there, but... Maybe this this bodes well for Benavides too. Maybe he sticks around long enough, he can get back up to that title shot again with a different opponent. But I don't know. Um, but anyway, sticking to Brandon, yeah, uh, just just I would say for him for this division, just run it down the line. Who's next? And that's Askar Askarov. I gotta respectfully disagree on Benavides. I think um, I think the time to have those conversations about him is uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think the thing about it is, had Figueredo beaten Brandon, you're thinking maybe Askar Askarov, and then when you just look at the flyweights and where they're all currently situated, maybe then you could start talking about 135. And I know 135 is, uh, um, you know, they're, like the car is broken down on the side of the road. They're not going to be moving until AAA, um, not C, by the way. But AAA gets uh, the Aldermaine Sterling car rolling again sometime, or you know, late this year, early next year. But I think that that could have been an option with Moreno. It's kind of Asker, and then that's kind of it. You know, I I think that they're gonna need the guys like your Brandon Roy, you know, Royval and Kaikara France, Pantosha. Um, you know, you need guys to kind of move. You know to get to work their way back up there because otherwise you just kind of um you know suddenly it's getting stagnant again i think that's the real big fear that you have is that like look you just had this breakthrough but it can't just be these two guys at the top of the division but yeah um i think that uh he's gonna have a great spot i think they're gonna put him on a card that you know co-main event two and Sonia again co-main event two uh you know a Masvidal you know some big star like Nganu you're gonna want him to get exposure because you want to put him in a point where he can headline his own show and you know because some of them respectfully you've seen some champions don't get that love they kind of are almost always involved in a triple header and that's disappointing because I do sometimes feel like, well, you know, we don't really know just how popular someone is until they're the one to carry the show. And I feel like that's the thing about Moreno. Is he going to be or is he not right now? Yeah, I think the, you know, the way he won, his, his reaction after, I know I didn't look this up, but I think he's the first UFC fighter from from TJ from Tijuana, Mexico, to win a championship. You know, there's there's a lot of angles they can work there, great stories they can tell. You know, including your uh, your Netflix story. Who would play Brandon Moreno, by the way? Oh man, I have to think about that. Yeah, think uh, about it. Maybe maybe you could go into acting and play. You're you a little know, too big to play Brandon Moreno, but <laughs> you know what? I saw that they have that new guy. He's playing like Luis Miguel. Diego Bonetta, that okay. guy can act. Hispanic, he's kind of got the same square face, I think. There we go, that guy. Okay. I see him because when I turn on Netflix, he's like one of the recommended ones. Okay. Anyway, yeah. D- don't right. get me started there. Why? I think. <laughs> were you there? 
I can't remember if it was you or the old show, but uh, we we broke this down like who plays who in the John Jones bio, you know, the, the series. Bones, by the way, just you know, red font on solid black. Oh, you know, yeah, I like that. Right bones. there, you go. No, it wasn't me. That's good. I like that bones. Yeah, yeah, that's another show. You know, we'll bring it back for the Emmy week. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, the one, the man everyone came to see, Nate Diaz. Uh, what the story of the fight? Um, Leon Edwards with the leg kicks. Uh, every time Nate tried to close the distance in exchange, uh, he got clinched up. And similar to Adesanya in a way, a lot of lather, rinse, repeat. Edwards did a fantastic job, I think, getting out of the way. He just really mixed it up. Slowly but surely he started connecting and that opened the cut on Nate and you know if you saw the fight you know it was just very one-way traffic which I think a lot of people predicted and I said it I think you said you agreed the thing about Nate is that yes he is a throwback you know fight you the way he fought guys back when he was in the street just with better technique um, against these high-level guys like your Dos Anjos at the time, like Benson Henderson, like Leon Edwards, who's been on a run. Uh, they're not looking to play into Nate's game and box with him and give him those advantages. You know, they've got so many weapons, Nate really only brings his boxing and jiu-jitsu, and in all the years, he's never really evolved it. And I think that's just what you saw. For all his toughness, he didn't have the physicality to really crowd Leon and he didn't have the well-roundedness to go to something else and get you know wrestle for a takedown or you know check the kicks and outstrike him and you got 24 minutes of uh you know pretty much beat down and then it happened the <laughs> moment you know it, let's be honest it was the biggest moment of the night Brandon had the best performance Nate had the most exciting minute of the broadcast he slips and hits leon edwards on the proverbial button like you could just tell it was knuckle knuckle bone to the chin the bone right there on the jaw and just leon edwards credit to his toughness his conditioning yes his own chin because i do believe that is the only reason why he didn't go to sleep nate legit hit him on the spot didn't even look like the hardest punch and Leon Edwards holds on for that last minute uh, to save the his uh, decision victory but certainly had Nate completed that oh my gosh I don't know what we would have done I feel like we would have they would have been in no man's land we would have been like yeah he finished them but ah, come on we all saw what happened 20 Nearly half an hour, nearly, you know, a whole episode of Family Feud before then. <laughs> Thoughts? It, if he had won, uh, Nate Diaz had won in that manner, I don't think anyone would have cared about the fact that he was losing, the, completely losing the fight all the way up no, to No, they point. wouldn't have. It would have just been pandemonium in the, in the arena. Twitter would have been blowing up. As a matter, as you know, it was already blowing up with the almost knockout, right? Uh, and when you forgot to mention the slap, the, the Stockton slap off with the right hand and then the left right on the button. Uh, it was a, a great moment, uh, but, you know, Leon Edwards won. You broke it down pretty nicely there. I got nothing to add. My, my thoughts were this. If you're going to fight Nate Diaz, man, like, fight Nate Diaz. Like, just 
don't do the leg kicks. Don't do the, you know, don't, don't game plan Nate Diaz. Just go in there and brawl with him. Is it the smart thing to do? No. But it's the fun thing to do. <laughs> it's the exciting thing to do. It's the legendary thing to do. I wish we had seen that. But, of course, Leon Edwards has to protect his, his record, his trajectory. He wants to get to that title shot. Not smart, not smart to, to go my way. But I think that's why I'm not a UFC fighter, one of the many reasons. But I think that's what I would have done. If I'm fighting, excuse my language, if I'm fighting motherfucking Nate Diaz, I'm going to fight motherfucking Nate Diaz. I'm going to fight him. I'm not going to stay on the outside and throw leg kicks and grapple and clinch. <laughs> You're no, not going to no, do no. things like fight smart. <laughs> I'm not going to fight smart. I'm going to fight hard. So that's all I got to say about that. But, you know, of course, of course, that's not the way the real world, real world works. But... This is exactly <laughs> why people love Nate. I, was, uh, I read the Dan Hardy interview recently and he talked about like, remember Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz? Those, like back in the day, that was just two guys, you know, it's such an exciting fight even now. And those two were just in it for the love of the game and said mm -hmm. like, there's just quite bluntly less of those guys in today's game. Even though the MMA has evolved so much, people are so good at so many multiple things now. Um, I will say that's why, that's why Nate was so popular uh, last night is because fans did want to enjoy the the Nate Diaz experience. They wanted the blood, they wanted the cussing, they wanted the middle fingers, they wanted the attitude. They weren't necessarily there to be like, oh, let's, uh, let's see who's smarter than who. Um, and there are less of those guys today than there were back in the day. Uh, you know, uh, to be honest, the only guy that really comes to mind right now off the top of my head, Cowboy Cerrone. You tell mm -hmm. me another guy who's just like, oh, yeah, every week, no matter what, balls to the wall. Let me just throw down and forget about everything. Cody Garbrandt, he ain't even like that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no. That is why he is a one-of-a-kind rare breed. Both of them, him and the brother, you know. Uh, their parents just a little piece of, you know, fell off and just it grew into both of them, you know. <laughs> Uh, next for Nate, you could give him just about anybody, uh, who will sign on the dotted line for a payday. Connor and Jorge are the front runners. Um, uh, if he's serious about wanting to fight, you could give him like a Wonder Boy or somebody like that who's probably going to need another win just to get that title shot locked in. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously... People probably want to see him against one of the bigger names. For example, if Connor loses, hey, it's right there. Right. Masvidal doesn't fight anybody else. The BMFs run it back. You know. Uh, the one that got me, or do you have anything to add on Nate? No, no, that's it. Uh, Dana White says Colby Covington's still the top contender. Um, Leon Edwards, what do we do with him? I don't know. Thoughts? That's so bizarre. And I, I get it because Colby is so uh, divisive and his polarizing, you know, viewpoints attract a lot of attention from all sides. And so there's more money in someone like Colby Covington to fight anybody. Okay, fine. You know, the UFC is merit-based when it needs to be and, you know, fan-based or, or popularity-based when it needs to be. So not surprising 
But Leon Edwards is probably like, come on, guys. Like, I beat Nate Diaz. But you know what? He beat him, but he didn't fight him. And that's why. If he had fought him, it would have been all the difference. But he chose to just win. He didn't make an impression with, with Dana White. I bet if he had, I bet if he had, he would have been the number one contender. You know, what's wrong with winning, man? <laughs> Nothing's wrong with winning in Clearly general. there is. But when you're fighting Nate Diaz, like, it's like, it's not just any fight, right? Like, it's like, okay. Oh, I want to beat Nate Diaz. I don't care how I do it Listen, as long as I, it's fought, not disqualified. Of course. I get it. I get that that's what you're supposed to do. But I also, like, okay, if you choose to do that, then you also got to understand why Dana White isn't going to suddenly move you up to the number one contender spot. That's it. Really? DC fought Anderson Silva. I mean, come on. Didn't you want them to actually go down and fight, throw down and fight a little bit instead of DC taking them down over and over again? Not really. But you do what you got to do. What am I going to do? Watch DC not be as great a striker? Come on, man. Uh, yeah. But anyway, on, I know. <laughs> at least DC did something I know he's great at. Right. Watch a high-level person do their thing at a high level. But I digress. Hey man, I'm not knocking it. I'm just explaining it. If I know we're going to get two guys that are going to fight that way, then I'm just... Like MVP and Paul Daly. That's one that... I was disappointed in because it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to bang. I'm going to knock his ass out. And then Paul Daly wrestles for 20 minutes, and I'm like, my word. Just... Mm -hmm. And he's still lost. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Paul Craig on Jamal Hill. Oosh. I'm sorry, but if I ever see that ref, I'm like, oh, man. Like... That's why they say goodbye to their family before they walk out there kind of deal, you know? Just Paul Craig. Uh, the last time I saw somebody triangle someone with that much swag was Nate Diaz doing the double fingers. You know, <laughs> he, he rips the arm, switches to triangle, just kind of celebrates while he's holding Jamal there. And my goodness, yeah. So uh, submission of the year, uh, early front run. Well, we are already halfway, so not early, but... That's my front runner right now. What about you? Uh, I have to go refresh my memory on, on what's happened so far. But, you know, definitely like up there with as far as like cringe injuries of the year. You know, I think Chris Weidman would probably win no matter what else happens. But that was just the way his arm was flailing around. Oh, Lord. Good to know it wasn't broken, just badly dislocated. But jeepers, that's that's tough. It was one of those. Um, Terrence uh, McKinney, seven-second debut, great job. And then he, you know, we're worried he just blew his knee out. Dude. And I was like, hey. And then here we go with the Michael Chandler backflip. This is why Dana White doesn't like it. That's why he doesn't like it. Oh, he my always, God, dude. He literally saw, like, a bright new bag of cash, and then he just saw it, like, slip off and roll into the river. <laughs> That's what he thought when he saw him hurt himself, but... The way he dropped, like, it was, to me, it was instantly bad. Like, yep, you did blow your knee out, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Why do you have to celebrate like that? <laughs> it was all good, though. And he didn't, like, do anything dramatic. He just no, he kinda, didn't, yeah. He, he didn't stabilize his knee when he went up to jump on the cage. But, uh, by the way, just great debut. I mean, that's how you show up and say you're in the UFC, right? So, congrats, man. Indeed. Um, finally, Lauren Murphy. Uh, just, I'll be honest, did you watch the fight? And did I you score it? I haven't seen the fight yet. Okay. Yet. Very close. I, it, I, I saw why he went to Murphy, 
when I was done with it, I'm like, I think that JoJo did just that little bit she needed. It was one of those uh, round two, clearly Lauren. Round three, clearly JoJo. Round one, very competitive. Start, Lauren started strong. I felt like JoJo kind of came on in the back half and had the nice shot at the end. Um, but very bluntly, Lauren Murphy, she doesn't exactly, you know, knock everyone's socks off. But this is now six wins in a row. She's beat Andrea Lee, uh, Roxanne Mutaferi. Now JoJo, who had already been promised a title fight before. Uh, I don't see a scenario where she doesn't get the next one. I just, um, you know, it's straw weight with Wei Lee and Rose is one thing. Valentina, I think she's just lining them up. And I think that this is like, okay, you know, let's get the next one in there. So I don't see anything stopping Lauren from getting the title fight. What about you? I agree that, you know, that division with Valentina doesn't doesn't operate like any of the other divisions where you have killers and, and you know, top five, maybe even a little bit further down into the top ten. The, the, the strawweight, uh, sorry, the flyweight division is a little different. Um, they're kind of searching for anybody that can give Valentina, you know, make her break a sweat. And Jessica Andrade was their last best hope. So, yeah, line them up, knock them down. That's been Valentina's approach, and that's how it's going to continue. Lauren Murphy is the next one to get lined up. Maybe JoJo will get her shot again after that, because why not? Um, but, yeah, this is just a no-brainer. Valentina will take all comers, and, and Lauren Murphy's six in a row, like, you know... <laughs> If she was six in a row in the lightweight division, the men's lightweight division, yeah, you might still have to wait a while, right? Think of how many other top names have to wait longer than winning six in a row, but not in the flyweight. So, I mean, yeah, Leon I suspect... just got like nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is there ten fights, no losses. <laughs> no, yep, and still wait in line. So not the case here. hundred uh, percent, Lauren Murphy will fight Valentina Shevchenko next. Who else? You know, uh, so uh, do you see on the UFC Twitter and Instagram? After all the champions fight, it, they you know they always play that little thing from the jewelry company with the red diamond going into their the plate for the belt. Okay, yeah. You gotta watch it. Um, but you know if you've seen Avengers: Infinity War, and if you haven't, um, don't tell me because I don't want to know that about you that you're not that <laughs> that you are that uncool. But anyway, I think everyone is seen the movie or watched it with the younger people in your life you know every time he gets one of the diamonds the gems for his his glove it has this whole visual effect the ufc graphic does like a more subdued but same thing every time they get a red ruby for a title defense it goes in the plate and it shines i have said that just kind of like avengers like a if a champion is dominant enough to actually change all their clear diamonds to rubies does that mean their division gets snapped out of existence <laughs> i feel That's like fine. it's a ra- of all the champions we have right now i feel like valentina is the closest to snapping her division out of existence and look there are a lot of there's still competition out there you got young people like miranda maverick coming up you still have lauren you still got someone like jojo but when I look at it, like, if Valentina stays at this level, like, another two years and keeps fighting at this pace, she's going to fill up the both nameplates. I, I, I just don't see her having that drop off, you know, before then. So, 
That's how good she is. And I think, yeah. you know what? She might be looking to fill up one of the plates before she moves up to fight Amanda. Well, like where, she, where is she now? How many rubies, red rubies does she need? I have to check. I think she's, I think she's got Three, five. Four. Oh, five. Because remember, you get one for every title fight. So I think she got a new one for Caitlyn, Jennifer, Jessica. Oh, wait, does she only have four? I don't Jessica know. I. Jessica oh yeah, Je- yeah, 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 yeah. She, you, so I think she's at five because I forgot to add the Jessica I one. So. Yeah, dude, <laughs> right? that's very cool. She's gonna go out there like Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's gonna be like, you know what? You know, it's like, you know, John Morgan, Valentino. You know, you've beaten everybody. <laughs> she's gonna be like, I want Henry Cejudo to come back. <laughs> That's I'm not going to fight anybody. I want Henry Cejudo next. It's like, but Valentina, he's a man. I need competition. <laughs> you know, that's what Valentina is like right now at 125. Yeah. But um, there we go. Uh, so in that way, like earlier, like I said, a great start. I mean, when you go from the, by the way, Drew Dober, Brad Riddell, those, you know, those two guys just threw down to end the prelims. So we had good momentum before a lot of lather rinse repeat in the Edwards and the Adesanya fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about, uh, pretty much just keep recapping. So let's move to Friday real quick. Um, I told you this. Remember I told you don't be surprised. Not like Nate because I'm not that hood, but this could be this guy's breakout party. Yurslav Amosov just shuts down Douglas Lima. Um, just out-wrestles him. Lima just too feeling too cautious to want to throw strikes with him. And Amosov just really, I don't know how else to say it, just neutralized arguably the best welterweight not in the UFC right now. So, and, and somebody that going into Friday, people felt like, hey, you put him in there, he's interchangeable with probably that top five at welterweight. He's got grappling, he's powerful, he's experienced, he's just technically very good. Rarely, you know, rarely ever been just dominated like that. So I think the fact that Amosov, you know, had his breakout party like this, I think speaks volumes. What about you? Yeah, it was uh, interesting as far as Douglas Lima. He just seemed, didn't seem himself. That's what I was thinking at first. I was like, he seemed a little low energy, but maybe it was just that... Uh, he was just too concerned to to play his game and and more worried about defending against Amosov's game and you know Amosov's game wasn't the most exciting just kind of held him down and did what he had to do to keep from getting the ref set to separate them and you know okay you won that's fine you won the belt that's great but it wasn't like a great championship fight now you're gonna say I'm criticizing all the fights this weekend but yeah I guess I am um <laughs> Yeah, it just it was look. He won. That's great. It just wasn't the best, most exciting way to win a belt. But honestly, a win's a win. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, Douglas Lima was it that he just wasn't wasn't his night that he wasn't connecting everything that he needed to connect, or was his opponent just really that much better? I'm not sure yet. So I don't know if there's any interest in a rematch because it wasn't the most thrilling fight. It went the distance. But I'm curious to see at some point if they meet again how this turns out. I mean, I always remember that Lima, when he fought Rory McDonald the second time, I mean, 
just completely different fight, really. You know, he essentially did what Avasov did to him and yeah. what really Rory did. And that's just, you know, made him look weary and timid. So uh, I'm not writing off like, oh, this, uh, you know, Lima's had a great run um, but and it's over. But I do think that uh, he's it's now on him to make adjustments. For Amosov, that was one-sided. Uh, most people would say, well, what makes the most sense? Obviously, Michael Venom Page in the biggest fight you could find is always the obvious choice. But he says, look, I think that MVP hasn't fought a really, you know, and respectfully, I, I would agree. You look at the record of his opponents. He hasn't yeah, fought true. a high-level guy. How about he rematches Lima? And meanwhile, I fight Jason Jackson, who's coming off back-to-back upsets, this guy that not a lot of people knew about, and he's now taking out top prospect Neiman Gracie, who's in the Grand Prix, made it to the second round, and Paul Daly, who's really been in there and thrown hands with just about every welterweight not named George St. Pierre. So. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, because MVP, for as flashy and, and exciting as he is, when he, when, he, when he has those highlight real moments, right, his opponents are not high-level enough to warrant a, a jump to a title shot. So that's totally fair. I mean, it's certainly going to be... Um, uh, I'm interested to see how quick he comes back. I think that'll be the most telling. Because I feel like if he says, hey, you know, we want to bolster like a August card, I feel like Jason Jackson will be down. I feel like MVP, he might be like, well, you know, how soon and all that. So... I am interested how quickly does Amosov get back in there, but it'll certainly be worth watching. Um, PFL on Thursday. Um, this one stole a lot of the headlines. Clarissa Shields makes her MMA debut, and quite bluntly, it was about three minutes from being very disastrous. And so I think that the real drama, if I'm being honest, Natalie, the broadcast leading up to it just it, they put her everywhere like you fire ESPN plus up and there's the it doesn't even say PFL anything it just says Clarissa Shields there's no other fighters she's just like in front of the PFL graphic with MMA gloves all night they're cutting to her the commercials it wasn't watch PFL it was like watch Clarissa Shields and then she gets taken down held down for 10 minutes um, she looks like she's just frustrated, like she's just trying to hammer fist, but you know, she's like, she's just bluntly losing the fight. And very many times I feel like you can see it in her face. She's aware like, well, you know, all the sprawling and all the get up off your back work that I did just was not enough. And then of course, you know, she sprawls in the third round, defends the takedown, hurts Brittany Elkin and really Brittany never recovered. Eventually Clarissa gets it a little while later. But yeah, you know, so Clarissa gets the W, and it left me with some thoughts going into what comes next. So I'm going to toss it to you before I get into that. Yeah, it's a great, great setup. But yeah, Clarissa, Clarissa Shields, I have a lot of respect for her, man. And I think a lot of people do, of course, you know, two-time Olympic gold medalist in boxing. The, you know, women's boxing, there's just not a whole lot of road there. And there's not a whole lot of money on that road either. And Clarissa Shields did the smart thing, which is to, to, to foray into MMA, take a foray into MMA. But that's hard. That's so hard to do when you've gone your whole life 
fighting in a very specific technical way. And now you have to learn to be free, to be flowing, to be elusive, to grapple, to, to defend in all these different ways that are counter to the way you've been training your whole life to defend attacks. So I have like major, major respect for the accomplishments that she's achieved just in the seven months, you know, learning what she's had to learn. I can just imagine day by day her training, her, her brain having to study, process, absorb, retain all of this knowledge and the fight went as I expected. I mean, I'll give props to PFL for, for generous and smart matchmaking. You don't want to blow up your big name. You don't want to embarrass her. Uh, and you don't want to you know, make her feel like this isn't somewhere she belongs. She can make a, she has a home here. It's just, I think it's just going to take a really long time. Um, but, but she did a great thing. And she showed us the, the mental toughness that she has and the ability to, to dig deep and to win. You know, the interview that she gave at the end was awesome. She's like very honest, just free with her with her thoughts. And I really appreciated that because this is a two-time Olympic gold medalist telling us what she was thinking with no filter. You know, coach told me I was down one round. Oh, okay, I got I to gotta come back. And then he tells me I'm, I'm down two rounds. Oh, man, I got to. <laughs> oh, hell no. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose. You know, you can really feel the 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 energy behind her, her, her thought process there. And she did whatever she had to do. Beautiful sprawl, ground and pound. I was very proud of her. Um, I don't know her from my, you know, Bob's uncle, but I was very proud of her and I'm excited to see what's coming next. But as you alluded to the, the path is, is not clear in MMA. It's tricky. It's dangerous. It's going to be slow, I think. And in the PFL, I think that's the right home for her. But when you think about Kayla Harrison, and how she had that one for, you know, that, that debut year, but, and then the next year she joined the tournament and now she's a killer. I don't know if Clarissa Shields can follow that same path. I think she might need more time. What do you think? I agree. I think that that's, um, so two things on the one hand, I did feel like, Hey, you know, everyone's talking about money lately, Paulo Costa and everybody. I did think about, okay, Clarissa, you know, should we be, celebrating the fact that you're doing all this or should we really be making a story and lamenting the fact that you have all these belts two gold medals and you still got to make MMA you still got to enter MMA to grow your stock in boxing so that was one and uh, that does not to say yeah that you had a boxer willing to go out there and fight MMA for real not no Jake Paul Triller crossover mm-hmm. i'm talking about legit fighter who's actually been working full respect like yourself um but then the second one and, and i get it she is one of the few boxers that people are female boxers i mean people are aware when she's fighting um katie taylor uh is another one because she's with matchroom um uh, michaela meyer is another one that people have an eye on I can't say that, you know, there's too many other women, you know, before she fought in Bellator, I don't think that people were really following or keeping up with Heather Hardy. I can tell you that it just seemed like a surprise to many people. Amanda Amanda Serrano was fighting MMA this weekend too. So I understand her stock in boxing and wanting to continue boxing. But I think by that very same token, how, you know, and I say this with respect, but if you're 
still got if they still keep dangling carrots for her in boxing, why is she gonna commit to MMA? She's just gonna have to catch up to something that she's already at in boxing. And I don't know what she's making in PFL, but I will say this with Amanda Serrano, she was said for a while, hey, I'm gonna um do both. I wanna fight MMA, I wanna fight boxing. She started getting the big boxing fights, getting to fight for other titles. And really, MMA, she's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. But it was the last two years pretty much on the back burner. I don't know about Clarissa Shields. Uh, I guess when she's committing to both, that kind of tells me that MMA is always going to be secondary. And I say that as someone who would do exactly the same thing. So it's awesome. I think it's a great experiment. But I think when you look at, let's say, Holly Holm, and then you look at Heather... Look at um, Kayla Harrison. Uh, not just Kayla Harrison. Uh, I'm trying to think who's the other girl. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting. She she was another boxer. She she did the same thing. Pro boxer, great win streak, going fights for Bellator. Anyway, uh, someone was just gonna hit me with it. But the fact is, they've done this before. When you're one and oh boxer, even training out of a good team and all that, the fact is you have so much more ground to make up. And if there's an opportunity for you to box, that's what you're going to take because that's the one you're more likely to win. We saw that with Heather Hardy. She kind of has stopped doing the MMA thing, but it gave her attention. But she's focused now on boxing again. Same thing with, um, uh, I know, I've interviewed her too. I feel so bad. <laughs> But the fact is, um, another boxer, same thing, you know, did the MMA thing, one win, then lost, haven't really seen her back in the cage. It's just tough for me to say, hey, Clarissa Shields, she's going to be all in on this. And respectfully, she doesn't have to be. She's already the greatest woman of all time boxing, right? So that was a long answer for essentially to say that I was impressed, but... I'm also, I can't say, oh, yeah, let me get used to this because I think it's going to happen a lot. Yeah, we'll see, right? Uh, unfortunately, I wish she had just gone all in on MMA because I feel like what more is what's left to do in boxing. But maybe she just didn't want to turn her back on boxing just yet to see how she did in MMA first. You know, you don't want to break up with your <laughs> your first boyfriend until you're sure your second one's going to ask you to marry you. I don't know. Excuse me, uh, if you're that far, you better not still have two. I don't two. know who does that. That's a terrible analogy. That's like, um, okay, a better, a better analogy. You're dating two, but you don't want to say, you don't want to be, you know, Facebook official with one until you know that he's feeling the same. Right. Okay. I like that's nicer. And um, it's Ava Knight, the boxer. I, I just oh, was okay. blanking. It's been a while. Ava Knight, if you look at her boxing record, it's great. And then she fought like twice for Bellator. The last mm-hmm. one, not good. And she hasn't fought Bellator since. I think that, you know, I hope Clarissa Shields just goes in all in on MMA. I know she said she's going to keep doing boxing, but I hope she realizes that the smarter move is to go all in on MMA. The problem is, like like I said earlier, it's going to take her a long time to get competitive with top names. Like even someone like Kayla Harrison. If she went into the cage with Kayla Harrison next year, you know, after next season, she would get beat. Like, just taken down, and that's it. And so, uh, because it's going to take so much longer for her to get there, I, I understand why she's she's still keeping you know a foot in each in each pond. 
So, okay. But but nonetheless, man, I was impressed because it took a lot to come back from that those two round that two round deficit. And I'm impressed because that's just ballsy to to be the best boxer of your generation and to say, now I'm going to go try this completely different sport. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it, how it plays out. PFL's, you know, they're having, I think the pacing right now is so good for them. You know, we've got Rory McDonald taking on Gleason Tebow this week. Obviously, Ray Cooper's back too. So the welterweights obviously get the shine. I think the week after should be the Kayla Harrison return, if I'm not mistaken. So they're just moving along at a good pace as we kind of hit the midway point of the year. Bellator's off this week, but they'll be back um, the 24th, 25th uh, interim uh, heavyweight title. So obviously we'll have more, but uh, there's still UFC action this coming Saturday. It is UFC Vegas. Which one are we on? I think we are on 29, if I'm not mistaken. The return of the Korean zombie as he takes on Dynamite Dan Ige. What are your thoughts on this one? Look, anytime you have Korean zombie in any fight, it's like, oh, man, this is going to be freaking exciting. And so that's how I feel. Oh, man, this is going to be really exciting. Um, Korean zombie is just that special. And Danny Gay is also pretty darn special himself. You got your number four ranked with Korean zombie versus number seven ranked with Danny Gay. Um, trying to look here at Danny Gay's record because I feel like he's had a pretty good run of it, but maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, so he, he lost to Kelvin Cater, but look, he's, he beat Edson Barbosa before that. Mirsad Bektik. Yeah. Like he's, he's been doing pretty awesome. Um, he got the win over Gav- Gavin, Tucker. Gavin Tucker also. He yeah. Bounced back. Round one. He beat him jeepers. Okay. Yeah, man, this is, this is thrilling. I hope they stand in the middle and give the fans what we want to see, which is just a barn burner. That's what I'm expecting. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get surprised. But no, this uh, this is this is a thrilling one for me. Are you expecting fireworks, or do you think somebody's going to try to take it nice and slow? Oh, absolutely. I think that um, you know when you think about what kind of fighter Dan is, and obviously who Korean Zombie is, there's a lot of reason to be very uh, have high expectations. I think for me, this one is got to be for one. I'll say it, it's a statement fight for both. It's a main event. I think if you're uh, Dan Ige, this is that one that it's like, look, you know, uh, Calvin Cater, all right, you win that one, maybe you're the one, who, you know, Hawaii versus Hawaii against um, Max Holloway. You know, this one, I think for him is to prove, hey, can I actually be that top five guy? Because I think that's the thing is he's trying to have that matchup that propels him to the proverbial next level. Where we could talk about, hey, you beat Korean Zombie. Maybe you're fighting the loser of Volkanovski and Ortega. That's what kind of matchup this is, in my opinion. Then um, for Korean Zombie, this is now, you know, two times that he's essentially kind of locked it in uh, for that proverbial like title shot and lost it. You know, with uh, Yair Rodriguez, he was on a great run. I think had he beaten Yair, you know, he probably would have been on that short list for the title. Gets knocked out. Um, Brian Ortega, title eliminator, big name, main event, gets dominated. I think that this one for Zombie, the real story is like, hey, look, you know, this is a guy who is not supposed to be 
on your level. You kind of want to, you know, murk him. That way you are looking at those fights once again. Maybe, you know, like I said, if Volkanovski were to lose to Ortega, I think that's a great fight for Zombie if he were to win. Stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. X's and O's. I think that uh, Dan... Not, look, yes, I, I'm aware he literally just got a 22-second knockout. But I think track record, you believe more in the one-shot stopping power of the zombie. That There's a reason why he turns people into the walking dead against him. <laughs> Dan, very well-rounded, well-conditioned. Um, I think it's going to be one of those cases of volume versus precision. I think that if zombie can't connect on him, then it's going to be uh, Dan Ige's volume. If he can throw more, he gets the win. I think that if, even if he doesn't knock him out, I think if Zombie just touches him up enough, he's probably going to have the more impactful shots, and he'll get the win. You're calling Korean Zombie by decision? Oh, no, or I didn't we... call nothing. I'm letting you go first. Oh, oh excuse me. Okay. Come on. Excuse me? How dare <laughs> I'm you? Calling, I'm calling Korean Zombie with the win. I go round two. I'm looking at his record here to refresh my memory. Hanato Mulcano, round one, he beat him. Uh, KO, or, or, you know, ground and pound, TKO. And then Frankie Edgar, round one also. Um, you know, of course, Brian Ortega, but okay, fine. So, yeah, maybe there's a trend here with, with round one finishes as I'm looking at his, uh, his record. But I think it's going to be a round two TKO of Dan Ige, your winner, Korean Zombie. I'm going to go with you. You know what? No, I want more bragging rights. <laughs> I think it's going to be a quick night. Round one, Korean okay. zombie. I'm feeling it. You know? All right. I like it. And that's our show. Like I said, next week, Bellator has the interim heavyweight title, Tim Johnson against Valentine Moldovsky. Or Valentin. My apologies. And, of course, big-time heavyweight, very high-stakes fight, UFC Vegas 30. Cyril Gaon against Alexander Volkov. Um, I mean, I think you and I agreed on it. If nothing happens to John Jones, the winner of this one is next up, in my opinion. So, a lot on the line for really just the, both both promotions heavyweight division next week. So it'll be a good show. I like it. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. As always, take care. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch you next time.